Okay, today, so happy to be joined by Marga Bandu, the director of the New Jersey Integral Yoga Institute. And uh, an RYT 500, longtime integral yoga teacher, senior certified integral yoga instructor, proficient in all aspects of yoga, having learned directly from Gurudev in the early years. He currently sits on the Integral Yoga Teachers Council and is sought after for his opinion and advice on many topics yogic related. His long-term focus and present concern is teaching pranayama for health and body and mind, as well as nutrition, cleansing techniques, and understanding all the benefits of an integral yoga hatha class. Margabandu, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. Thank you. My pleasure. So just from that experience, you know, I, I wonder why is it so powerful? Both the pranayama and, and the humming, you know, why is that um, so effective for us? Well, the, what the humming sound does is it creates a vibration. Your, your pineal gland is the master gland. And the only way that can be actually be stimulated is through vibration. And that's your connection to the cosmos. So when Gurudev designed the class itself, he decided we did the own breathing first. And that own sound creates a peaceful vibration that lasts through the entire class. And also the pineal gland secretes melatonin, so it's very good for the nervous system. It's good for digestion. It's good for relaxation. And it's good to balance out the hemispheres in the brain. What is the pineal gland? It's a little gland. It's like a pea. It's good for digestion. It's good to, you know, what it helps to do, it helps the pituitary gland release serotonin. You know, in the 60s, when we were all doing a lot of mind-expanding drugs, uh, Timothy Leary and Aldous Huxley uh, produced a certain type of LSD that stimulated the pituitary and the pineal gland. And what that does is it release, releases serotonin and it gives you a sudden sense of awareness. And when Gurudev came, he explained to us that the Om sound, the pineal gland and the pituitary gland, when they're balanced, does the same thing. But when you open up the pineal gland through a vibration, through a chanting, it doesn't close shut. Where Drugs actually they open up that space and then it closes right away. That's why after 24 hours, if you've taken any mind-expanding drugs, the next day you have a feeling malaise or you felt really depressed or anxious. So that means it, it closes even more shut than kind of it was uh, beforehand before you took any substance. Right, you had a lot of bad experiences, like bad trips back then. And and, and have explained it in the beginning. It was I was amazing, you know, that he knew the science of it. You know I mean, what he did when he explained something, he broke everything down to the lowest common denominator. So for me personally, he, he explained that to me personally when I started doing a lot of pranayama. He says, this is what's going to be happening. Especially when you do something like Yoni Mudra, when you do the humming breath with the locks, that really activates the pineal gland. You know, about uh, 25 years ago, there was a telethon with Jerry Lewis. It was a muscular dystrophy, I think. Yeah. So they, they showed you a, a picture of a young girl sitting at a table with a glass of water. And she went to pick up the glass of water and she dropped it. The next scene, same sequence, same girl, she picks up the glass of water and she drinks. And you say, what happened, you know? Back then, what they did, they installed a chip that produced a vibration to the pituitary and the pineal glands. And she was able to, you know, move her body once again. Hmm. So with the pineal gland and the pituitary gland, not only do they 
<clears throat> stimulate the endocrine system, the nervous system. They work on all your extremities and all your different parts of your body. And that's what the breathing does itself, the humming breath itself alone. Is there any danger in stimulating it too often, too much of the time? I, I, I would say no. I, I, I haven't come across, in my 50 years of being with Gurudev and intro yoga, I haven't had any experience where like somebody really went off, off the deep end. And I used to teach in psychiatric ward. So if anybody was going to go off, they were going to go off. Yeah. And how, how about pranayama? Um, pranayama. Yeah. It's a basic science, and, and Gurudev, he always emphasized that, even in the beginning, he says, if you're teaching a class, a hatha class, and you're running a little late, you know, emit some of the postures, but don't ever emit the pranayama. Pranayama is, the, the, the prana is the vital life inside of us, and yama means control, and how do you control that life force is through the breathing. Right? And all these different breathing techniques that he gave us in the beginning, he balanced everything out. The three-part deep breathing gave a sense of, you know, balancing out the system. Kabbalah body cleansed out all the toxins in your body. Nadi Sudi alternated the Ida and Pingala and sent the energy up to Sushuma and produced the meditative state for the mind. So I think many of us have, you know, access to these practices. We know them, right? Um, so one is, is learning the practice. That's maybe the first step. And then the second step, as I see it, is implementing it in the day. Like, obviously, if you're taking it, uh, integral yoga hatha class, you're you're going to experience that. But if you're not, and maybe even throughout the rest of the day, you know, from your experience, what's a a way to practice it more of the time? Kind of, I guess, to to work with the mind, maybe um, to say, uh, I want to do this. You know, just maybe for a few minutes in my day, it's important to me. Um, how do we go to that next step of of making it a constant practice within our day? Well, in the beginning, when you're doing it at home, you can become aware of the benefits, you know, what it does to your system, uh, helps to clear your mind, you know. So if you're at work and you're at a desk, you can just watch the breathing for a few moments, especially if you're at a computer, you know. Uh, if you have a job that you're working outside, you can, and it's, cold and chilly or something like that you can do some I used to work outside with my father construction so I used to do Kabbalah Bhati like like throughout the day I used to do Kabbalah Bhati and put cayenne pepper on my socks it was be I'd be socks. Yeah, 10 degrees and I'd be almost sweating and then before each meal you know I mean Kabbalah Bhati helps digestion tremendously you know get through of that excess mucus uh, it, re- it gets rid of the fermentation in your stomach. You know, the most common over-the-counter item in a pharmacy is an antacid. And what pranayama does, it gets rid of that acidity that's in your system, in your stomach especially, that's uh, causing a fermentation and uh, drawing the energy from your extremities and also your brain cells. Is the idea, the way that you see it maybe, is that, you know, there's like a certain elasticity in the, in the systems of the body mm-hmm. and pranayama is one way to kind of expand the, um, the elasticity, uh, of, of, of the body. And by doing so, it's like expanding the range of what is possible in our system. And, and the system seems to react well when we do it. It doesn't want to just be in the exact same state all the time. It wants to kind of see, what its range is. Is that your experience as well? 
Yes, you know, you know, after when you grew to design the class, it was done in three parts. See? And the gross level were the physical postures. And when you're doing, after you're doing the postures, after that, before you do yoga nidra, your body is in an acid state. Because in fact that the postures, what they do is they put pressure on particular organs and glands, and they put, especially like if you're doing head to knee pose, and the right side is the gallbladder. When you're bending forward, it squeezes the toxins out and goes into the bloodstream. See? So after you, when you do yoga mudra, which is the final mudra before you come up and do deep relaxation, your body is a little over acid. The deep relaxation calms that prana down and the breathing purifies the body, reduces the acidity. That's why it keeps the body more alkaline. I mean, if you had to just talk about it physiologically, that's why in the beginning, you know, because their bodies were so toxic, you had to do the kriyas even before we did the postures. Does that sound all right? Yeah. Do you still do kriyas? Uh, not too much anymore. I used, I used to do more often, especially uh, stomach washes and, and the string netting. I mean, good of, in the beginning, uh, we lived, our first institute was in Common Station, New Jersey. And uh, uh, we were rented a house from the Sisters of Charity. Brother David got us the house. And when Gurdjieff came to speak one time, he actually told us as a family, with there 17 of us living in the house, we should do the Kriyas once a month. So together, 17 of us, we used to do the Kriyas once a month. We used, we used to even make the string netty ourselves. You know, the only thing I didn't do was swallow a cloth. I, I couldn't do it, I just made me choke once. So. But the bowel cleansing and, the, I mean, also there's alternatives to Kriyas, the cleansing techniques. What was it about Gurudev that that caused you to say, I want to learn from him. It's common sense. He had a tremendous amount of common sense. And when he explained something to me, he explained it to a, he, he brought it to my level. He never told me to stop doing drugs. He never told me to stop doing this. He presented a better, you know, an alternative. And that's what he did. And for everything, any, all my uh, experiences with him, uh, whatever he told me to do was, was clear, it was, it was direct, and it really made sense to me, you know. And over the years, seeing him being in different situations, uh, being with, with him in prisons, and being with him in drug centers, and in colleges, and, and, and affecting out on people, you know, you just couldn't help but be around him. I mean, it was like, he was like a, a brother to me, a father, he was like my, you know, my mentor, everything. What direction do you think you might have gone in uh, if you hadn't met him? I probably would have did something similar because as an altar boy, I used to, I used to wonder if there was a God, you know, I, th that was always on my mind. You know, is there a God? Uh, what does he look like? You know, and then when I got involved, you know, involved in the Catholic church, you know, he's got a communion confirmation. Uh, and then when Gurdjieff came along, it was like, it's amazing because when we rented the house in Common Station, we rented from the Sisters of Charity. And Mother Josephine uh, called me in one day, the superior, Mother Superior, and she asked me, and she knew I, my background, she asked me why I got involved with Gerda. And I says, he had all the answers that the Catholic Church didn't give. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so I, it was, you know, it just, he had an answer for everything I could ask him. How would you um, define what God is now? Peace. <laughs> Peace that's inside you.
when I feel that peace inside of me, when I do the sadhana, when I was with Gurudevala, I felt a certain peace that I had never experienced before. Even stronger, strong drugs couldn't do it. Being around Gurudev differently. And that peace, always, I always felt that around him. And when I do my sadhana every day, and I feel that peace all the time, I guess that's what God is all about. Nothing distracts you. Even now, with, you know, with everything that's going around, I could as honestly say, it doesn't really, I'm concerned, but it doesn't affect me emotionally or physically or anything like that. I even feel, I mean, I tell all of here, I said, even if I contacted the virus, Gurudev gave us enough tools to get rid of it. So with that uh, confidence, I feel that's, maybe that's what God wanted us to feel like or be like. Thanks for answering that. And do you find that the more that you experience peace, the kind of the easier it is to return to that state that it is a practice? Yeah, because you know, we're fortunate here because we're here every day at the Institute. So this is like, our, you know, we, all day I get here early in the morning and then I get here till seven, eight o'clock at night. Then I go home and it's peaceful too. So there's not too many experiences during the day that we find that stress, that level of stress that would affect us normally. And even now, it's like a blessing because we're fixing, you know, we got new floors in the Institute and somebody donated money and we're doing really well. Yeah. And we're getting along. I mean, sometimes financially it's very taxing, but I think it'll just come. I, I think this is in a way, I don't want to call it a blessing, but it's an awakening. And I think that we're going to learn how to live with it and coexist with it and handle it very well. And it's just to our, our, the information that Gurudev gave us, the practices that he gave us, enable us to handle whatever comes our way. He said the pieces when he says, it's good to be peaceful in, in, in Hawaii, it's good to be peaceful on an island. He says, but when you're peaceful in the turmoil that's going on, he's then you know that you're doing your practice as well. See, so we're in the turmoil, we're near Patterson, New Jersey, we're near demonstrations, we're the virus, we have hospitals near us, but we feel that confidence that everything's gonna be okay. Do you think there's a, a difference kind of, of between making peace your priority as opposed to joy? Um, yeah. Well, for me, peace is joy. Hmm. Something that makes me peaceful would make me joyful. So either way, I'm okay. Hmm. I, I guess the, the point is, is like, I, it, it, maybe, I guess what you're saying is, is um, the, the peace in itself is the high. Yeah. But instead of looking for the high, you know, the, the intention is, is the peace. And there's something about that neutrality that in itself has that, uh, that feel yeah. that is joyful, that is kind of high in a way. Peaceful and joyful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in every day, we're fortunate. We're very fortunate. I mean, we're exposed, you know, Gurdjieff exposed us to everything that, anything that he knew he gave us, you know. He was in, he went to naturopathic school. He was a worked in uh, cars, and he just you know he just gave us everything he'd give us. You know? and, I feel uh, like you do that too. Um, you know, I don't I don't know too well, but that's my that's my feeling is that that you're uh, constantly sharing your knowledge um, with with other people, and that that you have that trait. Is it ever frustrating for you to kind of repeat yourself the same? advice the same things that now you've been practicing so long is that is that okay to keep saying the same things again and again no, it's, no not at all not at all hmm. it's, it actually is very comfortable for me 
And I, I mean, it's very humbling to me that people even ask me for advice. Hmm. So it's like, I feel like blessed. You know, some people call me up and say, you know, Margaret Bonner, could you do this? Could you do that? You know, it's, it's, it's very humbling to me. And, and, and Gurdjieff, it's all through him, you know? I mean, he, he taught me privately, he, he told me things to do when I'm working on people, he gave me information and that's something that, and when I work on somebody, I always, I'm thinking of him and I'm, I'm feeling his energy go through me to that person. And if, if, I, have, if I had any success in my practice, it's just through him. And I actually feel that. Anything that you can share about service, just the benefit um, maybe that you found in serving others? Well, you know, you don't want, like for me personally, teaching classes and working on people, just the joy that you see other people happy, you know, it makes me feel comfortable. One time we were at a lake with Gurdjieff. And everybody was real hot day, and Gerda was sitting on a blanket. And everybody's in the water enjoying it. It was real hot, and Gerda and uh, Chandra, the other Chandra, the newer the Chandra from way back, goes up to Gerda says, Gerda, we're all swimming around, and you're just sitting watching us. How come you're not swimming? He says, you were swimming, and I was swimming. So he was enjoying us, enjoying ourselves, you know? And that's what he did all the time. He, and he always explained, he says, when I see someone, he says, doing the practices and getting the benefit that I once felt, that's what makes them happy. So if I work on somebody and I explain to them how Gerda explained to me, and, they, and it works and it makes me feel really happy and joyful. I, I remember a story about him um, that he went to play tennis with someone and, and they were having a pretty competitive game and Gurdjieff ended up winning. And he saw the look on, on the opponent's face and how upset he was uh, when he lost. And I think he shared like an insight there that that, that wasn't a great feeling for him to, to see um, this other person in a state of you know, displeasure. And, and from then on, I think he, he said he changed his perspective then and saw that there's even such a, a joy in when someone else, you know, beats you in a, in a competition. Um, I thought that that was kind of a fantastic insight. Yeah, in the Golden Present, he explains that in one of the readings, you know. So, yeah, he, 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 was, he wanted us to be happy. That's it. You know, he was, one time he told me that. He said, I just want you to be happy. A couple times he asked me to do certain things in the beginning and I didn't want to do them. And uh, he says, well, I'll come. I said, well, I don't know. I just don't want to do it. He says, okay. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that that understanding is so important, right? Especially in a relationship between a, a teacher and a, and a student, right? That the, the great teachers don't try to force their students to see it their way, that there needs to be that that buy-in, that understanding, the, the, the common sense explained um, that you said that it, it's not, don't, don't just listen to me because I'm the teacher. Listen to me because it makes sense what I'm saying. Like I said, his common sense was like unbelievable, you know. 
Uh, and he knew he knew each student. He treated everybody individually like you were his only disciple. And he knew us very well. I'll tell you a story. I told him everything about myself, drugs, depression, anxieties, everything about him. I never told him I was bad at math. So during the course of my journey with him, and after I was getting a little better, he started calling me up and telling me, uh, Bandu, he said, I'm going to get a hut to put in my apartment. Uh, could you take some measurements? And he says, the tub is 16 by 24. So he made me go to the store and I was trying to figure out measurements. I'm saying, well, how come he's asking me to do that? There's always carpenters all the way around. He's calling me from Connecticut. I'm in New Jersey. There's somebody else to do it. And so I give him those numbers. Then he called me up a week later. He's going to buy tires for the, the uh, car. He said, I need Michelin's tires. He said, what do you think on the rims? Should I put 42 tubs? I'm saying, what's he doing that for? You know? <laughs> what on? Like, he was trying to get my mathematical mind working. It's amazing. You know, that's how well he knew us. Yeah. He just saw that he saw that pure energy in people, and that's what he looked at. That's what he looked for. Have you ever experienced that with with someone else that you have an insight to see, um, kind of an, an area that they could focus on, and it would be beneficial for them if they did? To be honest with you, when I when I when I work on people, sometimes I see a picture, and I could tell right away what to do. What do you mean a picture? You see, I see, just see, it comes like a picture of like a, in my, my in mindset. And I can figure out what to do. And I would come to, I know it probably comes from Gurdiv, because I, I, before I, every person I say a prayer, and he comes through. See? So my mind, you know, so each person I kind of see, sometimes I see that energy. So is, is the experience then coming to a neutral, peaceful state mm -hmm. and then trusting in whatever kind of comes from that state? And because that state was, was pure, um, you, you can trust what is drawn from there. Is yes. that right? Perfect. Hmm. I wow. say person, you know, when I can, you know, releases from many karmic tie we might have for one another, you know, and, and let that energy come through that person too, you know, hmm. so. I'm gonna go back to the, uh, the connection um, that we feel for, for each other because uh, that's at least a theme that I've been hearing a lot uh, during this whole situation that we're in now. And I feel like many other people are, are too, that, that we're all connected. Right, that we're all in this together, um, and you called it an awakening. Is that maybe one of the the key points for the awakening to to realize the 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 way that we're all connected? Yeah, it's something for us to share with one, especially here because we're most of us have the same mindset. We we share with one another, like getting information. Somebody might not should be feeling good one day, and so maybe we can tell them maybe she do a little more breathing or watch your diet a little bit if they're feeling sick. So it's something that we share with each other that makes us balance each other out, you know, and, and we enjoy doing that and you know, telling each other, you know, if someone doesn't feel well or what to do if they don't feel, or what to take, what not to take, what to do, relax a little more. So it, it, we're sharing with each other and families are doing the same thing. What I find, because I'm out a little more, I find that people are being more polite to each other. 
despite all these, these, you know, like these demonstrations and everything like that, I go to 7-Eleven every morning to get the paper my way out for my wife and get a coffee. And actually, the big burly guys, construction workers, and actually, they, they can take, take a step back. They're very polite. They say, have a good day. I mean, I, it's amazing that everybody's being so polite. So kind of like, it's sort of like, everybody's becoming more aware of their inner selves and there's a certain thing that's coming out of them and it's coming from their heart. And I think that's going to be very beneficial to us. And I think in the long run, we're going to do fine, you know, and, and, and true, especially with being, you know, the information that Gerda gave us as far as working with our immune system and the breathing, you know, I mean, a virus has to be fed, so we're not going to feed it. Hmm. You know? Not going to let them in. You know, How about the, the the situation? Maybe it's can be seen as another kind of virus, so to speak, um, that that's happening now with all the uh, the protests. Um, how do you personally experience something like this going on um, when you hear about it and you and you see what's happening? What's it been like for you? That is you to begin with. It's a very sad situation, you know, and and. Uh, a lot of times other things happen besides that, that kind of like magnify the situation. But the one thing I find is it, I go into myself and find out, do I have any things that I should correct in my mind to prevent something from ever like that happening again or, or me uh, agreeing with any situation that might come up? You know, so I, I feel that for me, it's like, makes me take a step back and, and look at my surroundings and, and see what other people have to say about it. Come to my own conclusion as what I should do and how I should feel. Because mm. a lot of times the information people, everybody has an opinion. For example, there's a, a, a famous football player, his name is Drew Brees. And, uh, he, and, and he's done a lot of work. He's a quarterback. And he's done a lot of work with with the, what's that one hurricane? Uh, there was a hurricane in New Orleans, I forget the name of it. Katrina. New Orleans Saints. And, uh, and he does a lot of work in inner cities. He donated a lot of his pay and everything like that. And he happened to say one thing the other day about not dealing, and he's got a lot of slack for it. His whole life, he's been a devoted human being and a devoted uh, father, a devoted religious man. And, now he's getting a lot of flack, but just saying one little thing. So sometimes you just have to be careful what you say and what you do. That's an interesting, it's an interesting aspect of our culture too. I think many people feel that way, like that it's, um, it's uh, dangerous even to speak your mind because what if I say the wrong thing, right? And that's not a great place because that's not a feeling of freedom that I can express myself. And it seems that, you know, maybe there's a lot of people that, that are in the habit of, 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 of pointing out, oh, you did this, you know, now, now I can kind of vilify you, you know, and I can forget about all the other good things that, that, yeah. that you've done. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it, like, what do we, what do we expect for us not to be humans? <laughs> like that we don't, we can't have a misstep that we can't do, do something wrong. And the wonderful example is afterwards, I think if we're able to say, oh, you know, we're, I, I shouldn't have said that. I don't know what I was thinking, you know, can, can there be more allowance for that? No. Well, Gerda always said, measure your words. So when you present something to someone, present it in a way that they will accept it. You know. So a lot of times we have something to say, 
if I'm going to have to tell somebody something that I think they might not like, I take a step back and try to figure out the best way to say it to them, you know, and present it in a way that I think they might accept it. Yeah, I think that's such it's such great advice uh, because we can get in trouble, you know, with words a lot. And it seems to me there that it might have something to do with our relationship with silence, right, and gaps in, in space that maybe we're uncomfortable with silence. So we need to fill this space. And then that's like the opposite of measuring your words because I'm just going to say something because I'm afraid of the, of the silence and, and then you get in trouble. <laughs> that's good. But anyway. so, so I guess a question out of there is, you know, integral yoga, you know, from your, um, from your experience, you know, how is silence important? Um, yeah. He said if he had a preference, he'd prefer to be silent. And when your silence is like fasting, you know, when you fast, after three days of a fast, any uh, proteins that are stored in your body start to burn out malignancies in your system. So after a certain period, after becoming silent, the brain waves start to change as well. See, those currents start to change a little bit. And, and, and the hemispheres start to change. The hemispheres balance themselves out a little more. So uh, that's what the silence does. Do you try to take a break from you know most things? Like okay, you know even if it's um, something that you like to do and feels good, I'm going to take a break from it every once in a while. I'm on a break all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always on a break. I always feel like I'm on a break when I work. When I were here, was, I feel like, I don't know, I feel the same all the time. Uh, was it always like that for you? Not a time. I was sometime. Yeah, I would say most of the times. You know, because I had, I had a pretty easy childhood. I mean, I had four sisters, and sometimes that was annoying, but otherwise it was okay. <laughs> I have three sisters, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> is it, so is that related to kind of this idea that, like, life is just a play? that the whole thing can be a play? Is, is that how you I, see it? I try to look at it that way. I mean, I try, even my worst situation, I try to look at it as like, you know, like, well, you know, I'm watching this. And I'm, I'm, I'm just an observer. I mean, some things might happen that would be more, you know, serious than, than my emotions would probably catch up to it. But usually I try to, you know, situations that happen, I try to, you know, try to be as comfortable as I can. That's why I would just, with this, situation now with the, the protesting and the, the virus itself, I, I try to take a step back and do what I can to, to alleviate that situation in my mind. You know, so for us here, uh, myself personally, I feel that we have enough information and enough tools to really fight with the virus. And then as far as like out the outside forces, I just have to, you know, deal with it and try to accept it and see what happens. So. If you um, would only offer, you know, maybe two or three tools to, as you say, fight off the virus, what, what might those be? Nutrition and breathing. Acting and breathing would be the meditation. You know, a virus doesn't enter into your system unless it's looking for something to feed off of, you know? And uh, 
certain breathing techniques, especially, you know, would eliminate. In other words, you know what the koshas are, right? Koshas are frequencies in your body. And the most healing kosha in your body is the pranamaya kosha, which deals with the solar plexus area. And Kabbalah Bhati is a tool that the, shock, the expelling of the breath, the expels the toxins, but it also stimulates peristaltic motion. And once those wave-like motions are still in your stomach, it, fights off, it could fight off any virus. What happens if a virus feeds off unbroken down proteins in your body? When you're not breaking down foods and you're, there's a fermentation going on in your system, that's why a virus stays in your body. See? So through Kriyas and Kabbalah Bhati and, and, and watching the diet, it throws that system out. Throws all those toxins out. So you know, virus is not being fed or just leave or won't even enter into your system. You know, how do you get rid of cockroaches? You clean the counter. <laughs> so you do. And they don't come around. So virus, so to our, especially our integral yoga, our Gurdas technique, that gets rid of everything. You know, the pranayama, the breathing, the meditation at the end, you know, that gets rid of all those toxins. I guarantee if you practice his, his, the way he designed the class every day, you know, you don't, you don't have to worry about it. I love this, the, the idea of, of just getting clean in all ways is how I personally, you know, look at it, getting clean, you know, of the, of the stories of the insecurities of the, you know, all, all the things that feel like they don't serve, including the nutrition that, um, isn't, is it nutritious, um, and everything, but just this idea of what you're talking about is, you know, and focusing on, on the self, you know, my own work, um, getting clean. Yeah. See, you know, people refer to it as alternative medicine. There's no such thing as alternative medicine. Depends on what side of the fence you're on. See? You know, for me, if I was, I was the way I would eat and do herbs here, everything like that, if I felt that I needed medicine, I said, well, I have to do something alternative. I have to go take medicine. And the other person is doing medicine. He says, I need alternative medicine because that's not working, so I'll do herbs. So there's no such thing as alternative medicine. It's what you do inside to clean yourself out. That's the alternative. I'm going to show you a Kriya and a Mudra for the immune system. How's that? Okay, so the first thing we're gonna do, if you, you could do it in Vajrasana, the diamond pose, it's called Sat Kriya. And you fold your hands and create Vishnu Mudra and pray by your solar plexus, okay? Just watch me the first time. So what I do is you inhale, you slowly come up, keep the arms straight. Now you contract the low extremities like preventing yourself from urinating. Because you're holding it, and then as you exhale, you come down. Okay, so inhale slowly, come up, hold the breath, contract, exhale, come down. Inhale slowly, come up. Hold the breath, contract. Exhale, slowly come down. Inhale, slowly come up. Contract. Exhale, slowly come down. 
One more time. Inhale. Hold and contract. Exhale, come down. Just relax for a moment. And what this South Korea does, it benefits the adrenal glands, which help benefits the immune system. Also in this position, Vajrasana, you're putting pressure on two meridians, the stomach meridian and the gallbladder meridian. Okay. And that helps digestion, elimination, and benefits the entire immune system. Next, we're doing something called Ganesha Mudra. So have the left arm open, palm facing towards the wall in front of you. The right hand in the opposite way, and you clasp the fingers together. Now, exhale, relax the fingers. Inhale. As you exhale, pull them apart. Inhale, relax the fingers. Exhale, pull them apart. Inhale, relax. Exhale, pull apart. Inhale, relax. Exhale, pull apart. Once more, inhale, relax. Exhale, pull apart, hold. It's right. And you can switch the hands. What this does, it benefits the heart, lungs, the entire immune system. Also, in this side, this is the heart meridian. And then when you switch the hands, you're doing the small intestine. Small intestine and heart are related. Okay. That's called Ganesha Mudra. Okay. That helps the entire immune system. Now, what we do next is we do something called Yoni Mudra. Do we have enough time? We have enough time for another breathing technique? Yeah, okay. position. This is the breath of inner peace. So you place the fingers, the palms facing the stomach. Now, as you inhale, you slowly come up, bring the fingers up. When you get to the throat area, open up the palms, extend the arms out to the side, keeping the elbows slightly bent. Upon exhalation, the palms are still facing up. As you get to the throat, bring the fingers down, slowly come down on the exhalation. Inhale, slowly come up. Exhale, slowly come down. Inhale, slowly come up. Exhale, lower down. Just continue breathing this way for a few more moments. Those of you that are familiar with Ujjayi can do Ujjayi.
on your next exhalation, just bring the hands into the lap, just become aware of the benefits of prana mudra. Last technique that we're doing called Yoni Mudra. That's the Brahmi, Brahmari uh, breathing with the locks. So open up the hands. If you don't know how to do it, I'll demonstrate it. The index finger will go on top of the eye without pressing. The middle finger on the crevice of the nostril. The ring finger on the top lip and the pinky on the bottom lip. We're going to do five rounds. So after the fifth round, you keep the locks into the ear and do after the fifth round, hold the locks in for 30 seconds. And then bring the hands into the lap, and then we'll end the class with the meditation and the yom breathing. Okay? So index finger on the top lip, pinky on the middle of the crevice of the nostril, ring finger on the top lip, pinky on the bottom lip. Now inhale, thumbs in the ears, five rounds, and you're on your own. Loka samasta sukino bhavantu. Loka samasta sukino bhavantu. Loka samasta sukino bhavantu. May the entire universe be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May the light of truth overcome all darkness. Victory to that light. Jai Shri Sadhguru Maharaj Ki Jai Shri Sadhguru Maharaj Ki Jai